Good afternoon and welcome to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi, uh, and thanking you for joining us in this weekly program in which we take an hour to reflect on on how deep we can grow in relationship to our Lord Jesus and his church through the study of Scripture, as well as history. I, I'm always emphasize the fact that when, whenever we study Scripture, we need to make sure that we study it within the context it was intended, and also the, the context, of course, of the Scripture itself uh, and the culture, and whatever we can glean from that, especially how it's been interpreted throughout the, the centuries. I am invited for our guest Today, Joshua Johnson, former United Methodist minister, he's uh, received into the church a couple years ago, but he, uh, on the website, deepinscripture.com, you can find a a wider bio for uh, Joshua. He uh, has a, a unique background, been involved with politics and fundraising and theology and ministry is in training and experience. He had a earned his B.S. in government from Liberty University. Uh, He spent time after that in Washington, D.C., helping with uh, a variety of political organizations, mostly uh, in pro-life activities, very committed to the pro-life work and sacrifice. Um, However, uh, during his work there in D.C., he discerned uh, a call to the ministry. Uh, At the time, he was a United Methodist, though he had been brought up in a more fundamentalist Baptist background. He went to Duke Divinity School, where he worked on his Master's of Theology, but at the time was studying for the Methodist, in fact, he was a licensed Methodist pastor, and he was uh, married before he went to seminary, but during seminary he when he discovered the beauty of the early church fathers, he discovered the beauty of liturgical worship that we'd been given by the, our apostolic foundation of our church. And he also discovered the beauty of the sacraments. And all of this uh, opened his heart to the church. And he and his wife were received into the church. And since then, he's um, served as an assistant at, to the pastor at Sacred Heart Catholic Church in Danville, Virginia, where he teaches and directs RCIA, youth catechesis, adult formation. I think there's probably a lot more to, to mention there. And as I, again, um, it's on the website. He and his wife, Katie, are third order Dominicans and have twins that are two years old. And he'll be launching a blog in late April entitled uh, A JP2 Catholic. I think it's www.jp2catholic.org. Hey, jp2catholic.org. Yeah. Okay, okay, and he's that's still in the process, so it'll be up and, and ready to go. As I always do in this program, I invite the guests to um, uh, pick a verse they never saw, which can either mean one they never saw before or one that they'll uh, have been very aware of, but either saw in different light, sometimes clouded by a particular tradition and the awakening of their hearts and minds to the Catholic Church helped them see that the scripture was really saying something different. And uh, Joshua chose Matthew chapter 5, 1 through 10 as the scriptures to look at today. And these are the familiar Beatitudes and I'm excited about him choosing this portion of scripture because it's one of my favorites and I have to also rate it up there as one that I never saw. So what I'll do now is I'll read the the verse, we'll take a break and then then Joshua will join us and the first thing I'm going to ask him is why these verses. But let me read them first for those of you listening and then we'll take a break and then you can uh, listen to uh, Joshua as he talks about the uh, place of the Beatitudes in his own life. And of course this is a part of the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus seeing the crowds went up on the mountain And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. 
Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And let me also read, before we take a break, Isaiah 11.2, which is the familiar passage from the Old Testament that deals with the gifts of the Spirit, because one of the things Joshua wants to point out today is the interesting parallels between the Beatitudes and then the gifts of the Spirit. So this is Isaiah 11.2, And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. You're listening to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi, and you're hearing us on EWTN, your global Catholic radio network. Hello, I'm Marcus Grodi, and we're here in Ottawa, Canada. Please join us on the next episode of The Journey Home when we talk to Canadians who've come home to the Catholic Church. Join Marcus as he welcomes former Baptist Father Brad Sweet to a special Journey Home program. See what led him from the secular world back to the church. That's The Journey Home here in Canada on EWTN. The Journey Home is seen and heard around the world on EWTN. For dates and times in your area, log on to EWTN.com. If you enjoy the Journey Home television program on EWTN, you'll want to purchase a copy of Marcus Grody's book, Journey's Home. Journey's Home contains the conversion stories of men and women who, as a result of their surrender to Jesus Christ, heard a call to follow him more completely in the Catholic Church. Many of them were Protestant pastors or missionaries. Others were laymen who, though working in secular jobs, took their calling to serve Christ in the world very seriously. To order your copy of Marcus Grodite's book, Journeys Home, simply visit our website at www.chresources.com or call us toll-free at 1-800-664-5110. Welcome to Deep in Scripture. Again, this is your host, Marcus Grody. joined today by Joshua Johnson. Well, thanks for joining us, uh, especially here in the studio. Good to be here, Marcus. And uh, you are presently teaching at the parish level, right? Yes. And uh, directing good old RCIA and youth catechesis and adult formation. That's the stuff that God called you to way back Long ago, you just thought you were going to do it in the Methodist context, not the Catholic, right? Absolutely. <laughs> now, this particular passage, um, there's so many, uh, I think you mentioned you could have chosen a lot, right? But mm -hmm. uh, yes. uh, but why this one particularly? This in particular because it, it shows kind of the emphasis of Catholic spirituality, especially in, as we reach these latter days of Lent, on detaching ourselves from earthly things and kind of revisioning what's really important, what are things in the light of eternity. And it's not that I never had heard the Beatitudes growing up, but it was something that wasn't preached a lot about. Uh, we tended in as a Baptist to hear more about the epistles of Paul dealing right. with salvation and faith. Uh, we we tended to hear a lot of uh, end times uh, in the book of Revelation, Daniel, we just didn't hear as much from the Gospels uh, as as you do in the Catholic Church, and I'm wondering if that also for you mm -hmm. there was a transition in that from your fundamentalist Baptist upbringing mm -hmm. to your Methodist yes. experience. My guess is that there was a much more openness to the spirituality. Mm -hmm of the Beatitudes as a Methodist than when as a Baptist. And in fact, that's the, really the first time that I seriously had ever considered the Beatitudes was on a, a retreat, a Methodist retreat, where which was entirely, the whole weekend was the Beatitudes. And of course, in the Methodist church, they followed, where I was going, at least they followed the lectionary, so we were hearing the right. gospel a lot more. But uh, it just blew my socks off when I heard about these beatitudes, and uh, as I've as I now realize, most most of the spirituality that was taught that weekend was Catholic spirituality. Right. And, right. Uh, and, and again, for the audience, this is a, a fascinating study, Joshua, because I think it is, because from a, my background, which was originally Lutheran and then Calvinist, mm -hmm. about as Calvinist you get. 
that there wasn't much room for spirituality. Mm-hmm. It was a big focus on initial conversion, and there are certainly morals that were expected, but at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter what you do. So, I mean, you should be, you know, love Christ and everything, but there's nothing you can do to lose your salvation. That's at least what the tradition I was brought up in. So I can see naturally, if that's the case, well, then why, you know, let's spend most of our efforts on initial conversion. And, you know, but but it seems part of becoming Methodist was there was also an emphasis on ongoing conversion. And that was one of the things that attracted me to that spirituality. Now, when the when you first started re-examining the Beatitudes, I'm curious, was there um, even still a transition in, to the way you understand them now from the way you understood them then? Absolutely. Uh, I think that, that retreat at, at that Methodist retreat was just kind of like tapping the top of the iceberg. <laughs> and I feel like even now I'm only maybe a few feet in that, that this is something that really could you could spend your whole life delving into just this one passage and never and always be discovering something new but a, a nice segue because i want to mention to those of you listening who have followed this program over the years know that the beatitudes is something that i've often spoke on even when i travel and um, i see them as a staircase to conversion but that's but I want to make sure to understand that just because that's the way that I see them, I never intended to say that's the one way of seeing them. Because in some ways, that's the beauty of Catholic spirituality, as they recognize in the scriptures, that there are spiritual layers on the literal Mm -hmm. that help that the Holy Spirit can use us us to see deeper in scripture, to see that there are a variety of ways interpreting them. So we're not really going to go in the staircase direction today. Um, so do you want to jump into the the way you, you now understand sure. or you want to st- still talk about the way that you, you got nudged into it back as a Methodist? Well, the, the first the, the thing that I was nudged into it was, was speaking of the poor in spirit. Sure. Um, the, the images that were used on that weekend were very powerful, but one of the beautiful things about the Catholic Church and its diverse spiritualities you know, when I became Catholic, I remember at divinity school saying, why would you want to limit yourself with, with, you know, all those boundaries? And I said, you don't understand. But when you don't spend all your time at the end of the boundaries, testing the edge, you can go much deeper in, into the pool. You know, yeah. you're not always, yeah. and that's the thing. There, there are many different uh, beautiful writings on the Beatitudes. Today, what I primarily, uh, my sources were uh, Pope Benedict's book, uh, first book, Jesus of Nazareth, first volume of Jesus of Nazareth. He's got a chapter on on it in there, and that's some wonderful biblical exegesis. Uh, the uh, other one I read is, uh, is actually more of a Carmelite spirituality, although I'm a lay Dominican. I can appreciate the some of the Carmelite, but uh, in a way, St. Dominic was... Yeah, it was, it was, he was said to have had the whole book of Matthew memorized. So this Whoa. was, <laughs> yeah, so talk about Catholics do know their Bible, at least, <laughs> at least the saints. But uh, the, the thing that was fascinating to me where I first had heard about the connection, now that was the Beatitudes. As far as the gifts of the Spirit that we read about in Isaiah, this is about the, the prophesied Messiah who is to come. And I had never heard this passage um, at least I don't remember hearing it until I had become Catholic. It may be that many fundamentalist Baptists are nervous over the last century of the growth of the charismatic mm-hmm. Pentecostal movements and the, their demands for the charismatic gifts. And so all these right. gifts of the Spirit became a nervous Yes, you, you know, emphasis uh, for a lot of Baptists. Mm-hmm. We don't go there, you know. It's kind of worth right, it. right, and and people don't realize that the, <laughs> the you know, there's two types of um, gifts that we receive in baptism: the gifts, sevenfold gifts of the Spirit, but then the, the individual charisms, which are unique gifts for uh, apostolic type work, and and uh, everybody thinks of tongues. At least that was the one we were so warned about. <laughs> But there's so many other ones too. But um, yeah, yeah. those are those are distinct from what we're talking about today. These That's are right. uh, the, the sevenfold gifts are for our own sanctification to strengthen our witness. And I, the other reason I don't think I ever heard of them is because they are so uh, tied into the graces that are completed at confirmation. Mm-hmm. And uh, these these gifts, even I've found in a lot of the c- curriculum for RCA or whatever, there's not 
they don't go into them on a very depth. They, oh, here's the gifts, and you're getting them, and good luck. <laughs> um, it's it's wonderful how they uh, Saint Augustine uh, for each gift tied it into a beatitude. Because the approach I guess I want to take today was let's look at the uh, spiritual gifts and then see what beatitude that gift produces. All right. So it's, when we look at the beatitudes, often or even the entire Sermon of the Mount, we're like, who in the who could ever do this? This is. Imp- this is impossible, and it is true. It's impossible for man, but but through baptism and confirmation, we really are given these gifts in seed form, and then they have their whole our whole lives to blossom and cultivate. Now, um, it's also maybe good to begin with this idea that the Beatitudes traditionally were understood as really the, the core, the the central. A teaching mm-hmm. of the gospel, the new law, right. uh, that I think even from the earliest fathers of the church, they saw it in that way. Mm-hmm. The Magna Carta of the, the gospel, is, I think it was, was put by one church father. And uh, the uh, Pope Benedict and, and Jesus of Nazareth writes that the Beatitudes ref- reflect... Um, really reflect who Jesus is. Uh, they are to the disciples, but he's telling us about his heart and, and what's in it. They are that he calls it the veiled interior biography of Jesus. <laughs> and break that one apart for a while. So it's, it tells us so much about our Lord and what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And in a very succinct fashion, you could almost take these Beatitudes and Look for them. They're all over the Gospels, but this is its most succinct kind of uh, summarized form. Maybe the best way to begin then would mm-hmm. uh, give us the background, maybe the context of of uh, of the eight or nine. You go with you're going with the eight today, right? Uh, yes, the the eight. Although I'm, since I'm going to kind of be listing the spiritual gift first, sure, and then the beatitude, okay, and the fall, but but all the right. um, the gifts of the spirit you know, are going to come upon the Messiah. And we recall that when he read the scroll from the temple, he read this specific verse from Isaiah that Marcus read at the beginning of the program. These gifts uh, are gifts from God. They, they blossom, and they produce these beatitudes. These beatitudes were given, and this is the first book in about five books of Matthew. It can be broken down to five. And Jesus goes up on a mountain. This recalls Moses, who went up to a mountain to receive the law. Uh, Jesus, it says, sat down, and sitting down is the symbol of authority, of, of teaching. Uh, even today, professors sit down a lot in the, <laughs> to, to teach. But what uh, when he says he opened his mouth, uh, that was an ancient, in the Greek, an ancient phrase to indicate that what he is going to say is the summary of his whole teaching as, as a rabbi. And in Luke's version of this, he looks at the at the uh, apostles so this is directly addressed to the mm. apostles and then to every uh, disciple of jesus christ and it's in the context of him giving the new law uh, of course he was prefigured uh, when moses went up and gave the ten commandments and uh, we have to be very careful that this does not uh, supersede that the ten commandments this is not that when he gives the new law he is fulfilling the ten commandments um but he's deepening them. <laughs> yeah, and that's, I think that was the bugaboo for Calvinist, um, Lutheran, Baptist understanding, because um, if we're saved totally as a gift of grace and there's not a thing we mm-hmm. did to earn it or that we can deserve it so that it's, and, and therefore there's nothing we can do to lose it, that's mm-hmm. Luther and Calvin right. and, and others. Then <clears throat> then what do we do again with these teachings? And and the, the problem was that Jesus says almost immediately after the Beatitudes that, hey, I've not come to take away a dot or a tittle or any of the law, and anyone that teaches otherwise is wrong. Right? <laughs> you, you know, he's you know, that he basically says that. And so, as you said, this this is that that stream, that trajectory of this, mm-hmm. all the way from the beginning, of the law of Moses now being fulfilled, in, in in its it's a sense in which Paul says it can all be summarized in love the Lord, mm-hmm. uh, and that one and Jesus gives the great commandment, and Paul says it's all summarized there, and in some ways, again, as your third order Dominican, um, 
is a, it's a movement towards simplicity mm -hmm. as opposed to a hundred laws, 200 <laughs> laws, 300 laws. Just live out this one and you'll fulfill them all. Right. And this is a very challenging too. It's yeah. not like it makes it any, it, you know, some, I mean, Americans are very task oriented sometimes, action oriented. I got to fulfill this list of, <laughs> of tasks, but this totally turns it up on the head. And I guess it might, might begin by talking about, you know, this word happy, happy is the man mm -hmm. who, this is actually from the Old Testament. The, the Psalm 1, um, Jeremiah 17, verses 7 through 8. Jesus is not making anything up new or coming up with a new formula. Blessed is the man who, blessed be the one. Uh, so, but bl blessed, or some translations say happy, what does that really mean? Um, it, and it, it kind of loses, we, it's lost in translation a little bit, I right. think. Uh, perhaps one way of saying is, oh, the sheer joy. It's something deeper than just a a happiness that comes and goes it's it's not dependent on external circumstances no matter what is going on in our lives if we have these gifts of the spirit and if the they're producing these beatitudes we will have a foretaste of the eternal joy and that's the you know these beatitudes are very paradoxical i mean who wants to be poor <laughs> um, you know in mourning but but they they reorient us to eternity, and in doing so, we get a taste of eternity even here on earth. Yeah, I think one of the reasons I've always preferred the blessed word rather than happy is because we misunderstand those words in our culture, mm -hmm. misuse them. And for me, the word blessed always kind of presumed the idea that it was a gift of God. Right. Something we were received, which happy should mm -hmm. In, in include that's what Augustine emphasized when he talks about happiness as well as Aquinas, but uh, that these are gifts that we receive from God, and therefore, by those gifts, the grace of those gifts are called to live out, and they require sacrifice. Every one of them requires sacrifice. Let's take a, a break, Josh. When we come back, we'll pick right up there. Maybe with you want to go with the first gift of the Spirit. First gift of the Spirit. Okay, yes. we'll jump into that when we come back. You're listening to Deep in Scripture, sponsored by the Coming Home Network International, and you're hearing us on EWTN, your global Catholic radio network. Next time on Mother Angelica Live Classics. Holy Week is a time of reflection upon the ultimate sacrifice made on our behalf. Join Mother as she reflects upon the Father's splendor to prepare for our Lord's death and resurrection. That's on the next Mother Angelica Live Classics, only on EWTN. Mother Angelica Live Classics is seen and heard around the world on EWTN. For dates and times in your area, log on to EWTN.com. Follow the compelling journey of one man who became a Church of Christ minister and found himself entering the Catholic Church. Bruce Sullivan shares his conversion story in his new book titled Christ in His Fullness. In this book, he communicates a passionate love for Christ and the inexhaustible treasures of grace found in the Catholic Church. Perhaps you too will discover the same riches in the fullness of Christ. To order a copy of this book for yourself or a friend, please visit our website www.chnetwork.org or call us at 1-800-664-5110. Welcome back to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi, joined today by Joshua Johnson. And just a reminder that you can connect with about everything we're talking about on our website. If you go to chnetwork.org, and that's the Coming Home Network website. And then there's a link to Deep in Scripture, and you will see uh, the bio of our guest today, as well as the scriptures, archives of all the old programs. You can even watch us sitting here talking in the studio. But it'll give you a chance to interact with uh, a forum that's there, because we'd love to have your involvement. Uh, Joshua, we probably won't get to all the gifts and, and all the Beatitudes today, but why don't you get us, jump launch, us off here? I'll try it into it. I the, uh, the first gift of the Spirit is the fear of the Lord. This is the foundational one because all the other ones build on it. And it's important to remember that through our baptism and confirmation, we are baptized into Jesus Christ. And as Isaiah talks about the Spirit being upon the Messiah, 
and anointing him, that same spirit that was in Jesus, and that he, as in his humanity, uh, lived completely in submission to, through to God the Father, that same spirit is on us. Mm-hmm. And so the way Jesus emulates these gifts of the spirit, he is actually emulating he can emulate in us if we cooperate with him. The spirit of Jesus continues in us. And this first one, when you think fear of the Lord, you think of how could Jesus as the son of God have had this fear of the Lord, <laughs> fear of God as father. And I think that uh, some people may, if you've grown up a, perhaps in a Catholic grade school, you think, well, this is where we're, we're, we're scared of God. You know, it's not that. It's actually, it's um, it's a proper fili- filial um submission to God, it's not so much fear of God as it is fear of ourselves and our own sinful inclinations that we might uh, disappoint God. Mm-hmm. We, we love him so much. This is the gift that gives us a, such a great love for our God, our Father, that we are just afraid of, of disappointing him, just like a, a son who has a great relationship with his father would be afraid of disappointing him. I know that when I was a minister, um, I did not speak a lot about the fear of God. Mm -hmm. As a Protestant minister, I spoke more about grace Mm -hmm. and justification and um, I guess grace again. I mean, it was uh, grace, you know, everything's a gift of God and now out of our uh, gratitude, we are to live in obedience. But what amazed me when I looked at the early church fathers that was drawn to the church, the early church fathers echoes almost everything you see in the New Testament repeatedly as they uh, uh, carry on the great tradition that Christ handed to his apostles. And they would talk to adults about all the things we expect about living the faith. But almost every single time when they talk to parents about how they are to bring up their children, every single time, bring them up in the fear of the Lord. Mm-hmm. as the foundation upon which to build everything else. If you miss that foundation, you're gonna, you can't even love God unless you have a healthy understanding of fear of God. Right, and a lot of that's been, been lost. Right. And, and, and today, uh, the fear, we realize how great God is and that we couldn't even take our next breath without, you know, we can be very presumptuous with God sometimes, you know, speaking of God as our friend, but... You know, in in the mass, one of the options for the Our Father is we dare say, Our Father. <laughs> it's, uh, we have to first realize that God is God; He's our Creator, and then that will give us actually an increased gratitude, a deeper gratitude, and a deeper relationship and appreciation for how He, by His grace, has chosen to make us sons and daughters. And even after we've disgraced ourselves, has mm. sent His own Son, and we must have that that foundation. The uh, the gift the the beatitude that corresponds to this fear of the Lord is blessed are the poor in spirit. Um, the now we think of the poor, and in Luke says just blessed are the poor. Um, the poor have to rely on God. They they cannot rely on themselves, and this is very antithetical to our American tendency. We want independence. We want to be self-sufficient and that's all fine and good but the danger there is that we start relying totally on ourselves so the poor actually show us a little bit of this beatitude even the material poor and the church has always honored that by having uh, men and women that are committed to poverty Uh, not just spiritual poverty but material poverty and depending on the generosity of others uh, not, not everyone's called to that, and the end of this is spiritual poverty, but it's a reminder to us of that. I've got friends that were Protestant evangelical missionaries in Central America, mm-hmm. and one of the things that opened their hearts to the Catholic Church was in the process of comparing what they did to the poor what they as mm-hmm. evangelical Protestant ministers, missionaries did to the poor of Central America compared with the Catholic missionaries that lived with the poor. Mm-hmm. And one of the major differences was that they found that the evangelical Protestant missionaries in Central America brought with them Americanism. 
and made the poor envious of American wealth. Mm-hmm. And that the way to truly experience the gospel was to become Americanized. Right. And we're seeing that even happen uh, with a lot of more affluent Hispanic uh people tend to to radiate more towards the evangelical Protestantism because it is much more American in its flavor. But, uh, you know, on the the opposite of that, the the, uh, the poor really are God's are a gift to us um, in that way, and the church has always, always respected that. They, um, not all of us are called to be St. Francis, right. <laughs> to, to, you know, but but we all ought to become detached. Even if we are very wealthy, we ought not to be attached. Our happiness, again, blessed, yeah. our happiness is not dependent on how much money is our, in, our, in our bank account. But uh, we we come at this, uh, perhaps the virtue that, that is summarized during this beatitude is humility. Uh, we don't come, when we come to God, we don't come demanding anything. But we come just like that that leper did in in Matthew chapter uh, eight. You know, if if you will it, you can make me clean. Not you must do this, but if you will it, we come to God, recognizing that He's God, with that fear of the Lord, and that's why that's that spiritual gift we receive in baptism produces this beatitude. Now it doesn't happen automatically. <laughs> you know, sometimes yeah. I think as we get close to a lot of people getting baptized and confirmed and receiving their first holy communion, it's so exciting. Uh, and they there can be this tendency to think that well, once I received all these gifts, it's just going to all come, you know, like pressing a button. And that the sacraments aren't like that. They are they are gifts, but they must be used. They must be cultivated. And so it is with this. Um, one of my favorite uh, ways to think about this beatitude, poor in spirit, was one I heard from a Methodist Bible teacher, Evelyn Laycock, who compared this virtue being poor in spirit to an empty cup. And she said that, you know, the, the, the opposite of this is being uh, full in spirit. And you like have a full cup. Well, there's no room to pour anything else in. <laughs> but if we can temp- continually empty ourselves and remain an empty vessel for God to, to pour he can pour his his divine life into us, and you might also think of the um, the difference between the Dead Sea and and yeah. the Sea of Galilee. You know, the Dead Sea doesn't have any outlet for it to go go into and become stagnant, whereas the Sea of Galilee has that water flowing through it. So, yeah, another analogy of of, of Christ's parables that reminds me of this is that uh, parable where he talks about that was much a parable, but he's you know don't take the 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 highest seat at the wedding mm-hmm. because somebody may come along who really has that and then you're, you'll lose that. He's, he says, choose the bottom seat, the back seat, until you're invited forward. And, you know, the idea there, it's all a lesson on humility, but it was a lesson on appreciating the gifts that God gives us. You must, to appreciate all that he gives us, you must begin mm-hmm. by appreciating, you know, the minimum. Right. Right. You know, seek ye first the kingdom of God mm-hmm. is how this whole passage ends, you know, and, and God will provide what we need. Mm-hmm. All the rest will be yours as well. But you seek that which your daily bread was all that Jesus said we were to ask for mm-hmm. in the midst of the great prayer. Yeah, and it's, as Catholics, one of the uh, thing you know, in, in Protestant, you know, say praise and worship or whatever, it's good. Uh, the Holy Spirit works through that. But it, it, to me, having become a Catholic, it doesn't compare to the, the, the sacrifice of the Eucharist, which Eucharist means Thanksgiving. Every time we gather, the supreme and number one reason we're there is not for ourselves and not really even to get anything, although we do receive a lot. Yeah. But it's not what we get out of it. It's what we are giving thanks to God the Father, and that's our supreme act of worship. And so that, that, that leads us, though, having that humility and giving that thanks and having that fear of the Lord— it, we, we often sometimes look at ourselves and we see how proud we have become perhaps and we see that we're called to this high virtue of humility and say, my goodness, I cannot do this. And and we get, that's when this, this, this gift of fortitude comes in, the second gift of the Holy Spirit, right. the same fortitude that was in Jesus Christ. And when we think about Jesus and him emulating this gift, what incredible fortitude our Lord has being scourged, carrying the cross, being crucified, and I don't know about everyone else, but when I think of that, I think I have n- I'm not even come close to that kind of fortitude. Right. 
so, but, but, but that same spirit that was in him is in us and gives us the grace even of martyrdom. So it gives us a supernatural strength to achieve what we can't do on our own. Um, and of course, fortitude is a natural virtue in some sense, but it can't even come close to the, to how, how much courage we can have if it comes as a gift from the spirit. Well, you know, grace builds on nature. Mm -hmm. And so at the core of many of these gifts, of course, are natural abilities, natural virtues, mm -hmm. but it's the grace that causes, that pulls them to greater. You know, a person could fear God in a totally natural way. It was servile fear. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, I want to do what's right because I don't want God to send me to hell. Well, okay, but... But to make the next journey into filial fear is a gift of grace. Uh, mm -hmm. really, we're, we're doing it totally out of gift of God. Uh, same thing with this issue of fortitude. What fascinates me about its connection, um, I know you're going there with the hung hunger and thirsting in the, in the Beatitude, is that even when you think about fortitude being a gift of grace beyond mm -hmm. normal, the hunger and thirsting for righteousness, righteousness is beyond our ability to want, because mm -hmm. generally it isn't righteousness that we want. We want something for ourselves. <laughs> you know, what can I get out of this? Uh, definitely, uh, the the hunger and thirsting, most of the time, if we're honest with ourselves, what we're hungering and thirsting for is things of the earth. Okay, how do I get financial stability or build my career? Um, perhaps if those kinds of things are very focused on ourselves, and the hunger and thirsting, this focuses on God. And um, the, the fortitude that that we receive in this gift of the Holy Spirit gives us something that we call patience, which the, another natural virtue that many of us don't, <laughs> many of us lack. We have met many patient people perhaps that aren't even Christians and they have it naturally, but especially in our society, we want everything fast right now, right away, everything instant. Fortitude actually gives us patience and that's of course, if you really want to, you could tie these beatitudes into some of the fruits of the rosary. In uh, mm -hmm. one of the, the the crowning of thorns, the way I've prayed the rosary, that 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 fruit that's produced by that decade of the rosary is patience. The patience that our Lord had is a very much a part mm -hmm. of fortitude. And again, it, the, we cannot have that patience if we don't have the hunger and thirst. And then that hunger and thirst produces that patience. It's reciprocal. But we, if we want to, if we want to appease this, if we want to feed this, the church teaches us that the Eucharist, our daily bread, the Eucharist, is is the way to cultivate this. Then the more we receive the Eucharist, the more we will want to re, uh, serve our Lord. All right, let's take another break, Joshua, and uh, we'll come back. We'll see what time we have left. We can see how many more beatitudes and gifts we can we can uh, focus on in the time that's remaining. You're listening to Deep in Scripture, uh, brought to you by the Coming Home Network International, and you're hearing us on EWTN, your global Catholic radio network. The Coming Home Network International is a non-profit Catholic lay apostolate dedicated to helping Protestant clergy and laity come home to the Catholic Church. It was founded by Marcus Grodi, the host of this program, as well as the Journey Home television program on EWTN. If you are on the journey and interested in learning more about the Coming Home Network International, or know someone who's thinking of becoming Catholic, please visit our website, www.chnetwork.org, or contact us at one 800 664-5110. Welcome back to Deep in Scripture. This is your host, Marcus Grodi, joined today by Joshua Johnson. We're looking at um, a comparison of the Beatitudes with the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, and this goes back to a number of early church fathers, including, including St. Augustine. Josh, you won't get to them all. You want to give an overview? Sure. These these first few gifts that we've spoken of, uh, fear of the Lord, which corresponds to the gift of uh, poor in spirit, and fortitude, which corresponds to the gift of hunger and thirsting for righteousness' sake, 
And the uh, the next, this is part of a group of four gifts, which are oriented towards the moral life, um, the relationship, uh, not only with God but with others. Then the second, the third of these is the gift of piety, and that corresponds to meekness. The blessed are the meek. The gift of counsel, which corresponds to blessed are the merciful. The next uh, three correspond to our relations with God. And so we uh, kind of even get to a higher level. Mm -hmm. The gift of knowledge corresponds to um, blessed are those who mourn. The gift of understanding corresponds to those who are pure in heart. And the gift of wisdom, blessed are the peacemakers. And this is just... uh, you can get so deep with this. <laughs> I, I would I would hope that maybe we've primed some some interest and a taste for this to to dig into it deeper. Again, the the uh, wonderful resource to uh, to look into this uh, one is divine. The book Divine Intimacy uh, goes through has some meditations on this and uh, the uh, writings of of our Holy Father and Jesus of Nazareth it has a wonderful <laughs> chapter there just on the Beatitudes. So, but the the third one we get to is the gift of piety. All right. And pietyism is sometimes taken on a negative uh, yep. connotation, but this is uh, gives us kind of a filial relationship with God. It what what fortitude has strengthened us. Piety kind of sweetens the relationship with God, perfects justice. No longer do we, for example, we want to go to church because we have to. It's our Sunday obligation. Well, we want to because we want to please God our Father. It's really giving the heart of a child. If you know, I'm right now. I have toddlers, and they <laughs> they they want to please me sometimes. Sometimes they don't, but but when they do, that's wonderful to savor in. And in in a way, we are all to have the heart of a child and wanting to please God. God our Father. It gives us the heart of a br- of a brother also towards our neighbor. So in a relationship with our, our neighbors, we begin to see other people not as people that can do something for us, but this is, even if it's a very destitute person or somebody that annoys us a lot, or our enemies <laughs> even, this is somebody that God has created to be um, in eternal communion with him, and, and we want to help them realize that. The gift uh, the beatitude that this produces is blessed are the meek. Meek doesn't mean weak. Um, <laughs> uh, piety makes makes us meek and gentle. And uh, our Lord himself says, I am meek and humble of heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. And then as we prepare to enter uh, Palm Sunday uh, in the, the Holy Week events, behold, your king is coming to you, meek and mounted on an ass. Uh, Jesus did not come on a mighty horse. He came meek, but he came meekly because he had that inner strength, that fortitude. He didn't need to show it off. Um, this meekness is is self-control. It makes, as St. Thomas said, it makes man a master of himself. And the blessing that, that is promised in the Beatitudes is that they would inherit the land. Blessed are the meek, they will inherit the land. And here the land is our own soul, as Pope Benedict pointed out. What 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 what's this big deal with the land? Well, you have to understand the Old Testament. Why did God promise Israel land? It wasn't just so they could have a place to call their own. It was so they could have a place to offer a pure sacrifice, a, a worship, and free from idolatry. They failed. <laughs> um, but this land is our own heart. We are to keep it pure. We are to keep it uh, holy. Um, the, the characteristics that this produces we're moved to compassion because again we see people as brothers and sisters we don't hold grudges but we remember favors uh, shown to us so that is the uh, the third one the gift of piety blessed are the meek let's see the fourth one the fourth gift which we receive is the gift of counsel and this aids one of those natural virtues again grace builds on nature the uh what we call prudence um, it doesn't mean being a prude. It means to be able to discern. This is a wonderful gift, uh, especially for people, young people trying to discern their vocation mm-hmm. in life. Uh, is this so really many choices they have to make? Right. So many yeah. choices, and I well, is this really my will or is this God's will? Um, mm-hmm. This gift, if cultivated, will reveal our true motives, and we we it, it detaches us from our own opinions and 
and preferences. Uh, there's a quote I really like called, the soul attached to its own opinions is like the sails of a ship anchored in a harbor. You think those <laughs> sails aren't being able to be used. The sails are our soul. We can't be moved by God if we're chained down by our own opinions. And here, I, when I speak opinions, I'm not talking about truth. <laughs> I'm speaking about you know yeah. our preferences, our <laughs> personal preferences. But uh, the gift of counsel, this kind of hit me. It didn't it wasn't one I thought of naturally, but the beatitude this produces is blessed are the merciful. And the, and the reason being is that the proper effect of the gift of counsel is mercy. When, we, when the Holy Spirit has, is, when our will is one with God's will, we will begin to show mercy on, on others. And this brings us to the depth. This is the, the fourth of the, the gifts of the moral life because it's it's kind of the deepest in the sense that the the attribute of god that is uh really is perhaps the highest is his mercy and we we have a divine mercy sunday coming up in, in the easter season and and pope john paul ii's being very fittingly beatified on uh-huh. that date because he had such a, such a devotion to this divine mercy of god it has its roots in in the old testament it's uh was shown to us by jesus but we don't deserve to even be taking our next breath. But how could we presume not to show mercy to others when our will is one with God? We will show mercy as as he did. As I think about um, the way that I've come to um, see the Beatitudes as a staircase of conversion, what I, I really like about the way that you're showing us how Augustine and, and our Holy Father have connected these with the gifts of the Spirit. And as you're describing those, what, to me what it emphasizes is that our ability mm-hmm. to do the Beatitudes, to live that lifestyle, comes from the gifts of the Spirit that we receive as a result of baptism, as a result of confirmation, as a result. So it, it always gets us back to grace. Mm-hmm. It's not our ability to be poor, to right. mourn, to be merciful, to make ourselves hungry and thirst. That it's a natural progress of the work of the Spirit in our lives. Absolutely, and it, it calls us back to what is the most frequent command of Jesus in the Gospels: "Is be not afraid." <laughs> Yet, and as many of our youth are receiving confirmation this time of year and receiving these gifts, it, this being a Catholic Christian is daunting. But if we if we have these gifts in us, he will not call us to what he has not empowered us to do. It's very empowering. Now the the last three, we've got a couple more minutes here. I want to make sure we at least a little bit. Uh, sure. You said uh, focus on our knowledge, or excuse me, our relationship with God. Mm-hmm. The first one is is uh, the gift of knowledge, and this is a truly a gift because we can, of course have knowledge of God on a natural level without any, without God revealing himself, giving us the Bible, the church, but we can only come so far. Uh, this is a gift that really shows us the nature of God, who he is. And when we have this gift of knowledge, it brings us to the beatitude of blessed are those who mourn. <laughs> uh, we cannot help but mourn. And one of the most touching books I ever read that really was a help on my spiritual journey was St. Augustine's Confessions and the famous quote mm. there, Late have I loved thee, O beauty ever ancient, ever new. Late have I loved thee. Thou wert with me, but I was not with thee. Creatures kept me far from thee. And this is kind of a... a an echo of my own life when I think of those those years wasted. Um, this is, but this is not the kind of mourning, as, as as Pope Benedict points out in his book, that that causes us to despair. He he uses the example of Judas versus Peter. Both fell, but one, because he fell, was inspired to conversion, and that was our first Pope, Peter. It it uh, it gives us a hope that that lasts. Well, it, there was a contrite heart there. Mm-hmm. You know, the, a heart that that saw the the hurt, saw the sin, saw the problem, and wanted to be different. You know, that's the work of the Spirit. That was the knowledge, yeah. you know, imparted yeah. to him. He was able to see how much this hurt the Lord mm-hmm. and was moved by it. And, of course, Our Lady emulates this more, uh, at her at the cross, the kind of hope she had that allowed her to consent and participate in the sacrifice of her son. She's a model for all of us in this one. Okay. 
brings us to the next one, the gift of understanding. This deepens the gift of knowledge and helps us uh, to, to see not only, un- it really helps us to experience God and not, not just have the knowledge, but to experience him. A mystery is something, someone once said, that, that can always be explained, but it can be experienced. And this brings one to period of heart. When you experience God, you, there's that, that purification occurs. And as Pope Benedict puts, the organ for seeing God is the heart. Um, <laughs> perhaps we'll just go right into the last one and close, sure. close with the gift of wisdom. In, even takes understanding to a deeper level. Uh, taste and see that the Lord is good. We have tasted the Lord with the gift of understanding, but now we actually taste and see that the Lord is good. And we are so linked to him that that we his feelings become ours. And that makes us peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. We cannot have peace unless we have peace in our own hearts. And peace is ultimately the gospel. It's, it's if, as it says in Ephesians, if we possess this peace, we can be evangelists. We can disseminate this peace and bring everybody to the eternal happiness, eternal blessedness of peace in heaven. That- if, if we see the connection with the gifts of the Spirit and the Beatitudes, we see that each Beatitude had a, had a, a gift at the end, mm-hmm. you know, what you uh, what you would receive as a result of that blessed are the poor for they are they uh, um i'm missing the second part i'm on mine here oh, blessed uh, are the, there's the kingdom of heaven. heaven those listening what should they do especially as we get into this you know go through the lent and easter season we will have a chance to renew our gift to the Holy Spirit in the in Pentecost. Let us study these gifts of the Holy Spirit so that they might be more cultivated and alive and grow constantly within us. Ask for a renewal of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And part of that means affirming that they're there, just because we may not feel them with our senses, that they are there in us as a result of the sacramental graces and to act on them. And I think it's parallel to the fact that if we looked at the earthly Jesus, we would not have recognized him as the creator of the universe. And that same mystery is within us. All those graces are in us that we've received by the sacrament of baptism. And uh, and to claim them and act on them and act for a fullness of those. Thank you, Joshua, thank for joining you. us. And uh, all of you, thank you for joining us on this program. I hope it's been an encouragement to you. God bless you. Be with you next week. <laughs>